Alright guys, welcome back to the Established Class Podcast, presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Wes Bubble. With me, as always, my co-host, Dylan Reagan. We're back here to look back at the Week 2 action in the NFL. To this point, uh, we're recording this uh, during the day on Monday, so of course, two Monday night games uh, with the Bills, Titans, and Eagles, Vikings still get to be played. And uh, just for reference, I picked the Vikings to beat the Eagles. Dylan picked the Eagles. We both picked the Bills, and uh, I made the Bills my betting lock of the week. So we will not be reviewing those to this point, but uh, we will be reviewing some of the action, and uh, we'll talk about kind of some of the fallout from it, uh, look at some stock up, stock down, waiver wire pickups, all kinds of stuff uh, to get you ready moving forward. So let's start off the Thursday night game. been a little while now. But yeah. <laughs> um, the Chiefs and the Chargers, again, it, it's just, I don't know, there's so much. Well, it was like it was a week ago. But um, a very interesting game. The Chiefs get a 24 win over the Chargers um, on Thursday nights. And, uh, you know, the biggest concern coming out of the game was obviously Justin uh, Herbert's uh, injury situation. But it looks like he's going to be okay. Uh, and, you know, I guess this week may be kind of up in the air. But. I mean, to me, this felt like an opportunity for the Chargers, you know, to the way they started the game. But you know, once again, it's just like the Chiefs find a way. And uh, I mean, my goodness, this guy just Patrick Mahomes, he just keeps finding ways. And I feel like to this point, thus far, we're early. But I feel like I just did not give the Chiefs enough credit for what he can do uh, because, you know, we kind of none of us picked them in the Super Bowl. Um, so yep. now, though, you look at this team and what they're capable of. This was kind of what you expected game-wise, but it does in some ways feel like a bit of a missed opportunity here for the Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, all for all the great things Mahomes did and a few of the amazing throws he made, I would say there were uh, there was a portion of the game where he didn't look like his usual just amazing self that we always kind of look past because we just expect such greatness from him. He was a little more down to earth, and the Chargers had an opportunity. I mean, they... The amount of, I feel like we say this all the time with the Chargers, I don't have as much concern as previous iterations because of what Herbert can do and some of the things I think they'll learn from, obviously, the hurrying up with Gerald Everett just after he pounded through for a a big gain inside the five and throwing a quick pass to him and he's exhausted. And little things like that that happen that you think can get fixed. Uh, The drop Asante Samuel Jr. interception when it was 17-7, that if he picks that off, they're they're at least going to get a field goal there to go up by... 13 it's just those kind of mistakes where you feel like all right these are things that they weren't like complete meltdown issues but um and, and the fact that herbert's just insane and takes that hit and stays in there you, you go from one play obviously and like you said it's, it's almost a week ago now but it's still really fresh in the mind with how he, he had that third and one where he could have easily gone for a first down ends up throwing the ball away and you're like man he just why is he out there next thing you know he throws a dart on fourth down deep down the seam and it's like yeah this guy's just legit and the the pieces are there they had this game like you said it's a missed opportunity for sure but at the same time for the Chiefs they're a strong team Um, I think their defense looked okay at points it wasn't still still not going to be that dominant unit but maybe a bit like we kind of talked about going into the season if they can just be more middle of the pack that's all they might need with this offense and they did make that obviously the huge interception there uh, than the pick six that kind of changed everything in that game. But beyond that, I, I still think the Chiefs are just f- figuring out who they what they can be. I, I think on offense, they, uh, they I mean, for all the things the Chargers did to try to help defending the run, the Chiefs still ran quite well. There's some things in the passing game that I think could work with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. In addition, he had 44 yards through the air. But, um, yeah, it's, with the pieces they have, and we'll obviously get to the Dolphins game and what <laughs> what Tyreek Hill did, um, and you're still missing that kind of element. I still think they have enough interesting things they can do. And, and the, at the end of the day, Mahomes is still Mahomes. If he just can lock in like he does for some of those plays consistently, drive in and drive out, and uh, if they figure out a few more things to get to kind of work off the ru- running game, I, I know with a guy like Mahomes, that might not be the smartest thing to do. To The team wants you to probably run the ball a bit more um, that you're facing, but I don't know. I think that this offense for Kansas City, it just felt like they are just still figuring out what they can do, and I'm still, yeah, like you said, we didn't pick them to make the Super Bowl, but right now uh, with a lot of teams that are, I would say, untrustworthy or that I'm not a little bit down on this week, I'd say that Kansas City – uh, they even if they'd lost this game, I'd have been like, you know what? They still have some things they're figuring out, and they have a chance to be really good within a few weeks as they continue to find their identity. Yep, I think so. But the, the Chiefs off to a good start. Uh, my Super Bowl uh, participant Chargers uh, lose a, a tough one here, but we'll see how both teams bounce back or how the Chargers bounce back. Yeah, uh, moving forward. All right, 
As we said, Vikings-Eagles, one of our other games of the week, that will take place uh, tonight, so we don't know the result of that just yet, but um, we will see how it plays out. And on to the betting locks, uh, there's another one. Like I said, the Bills minus 9.5 was my pick, so you're either nodding your head in approval right now or you're laughing at me, uh, depending on how the game unfolded. Uh, all right, well, there's another one you may be laughing at, and uh, it's all right, Dylan, because now I can officially say that the Establish the Fast podcast at one point known as the people who were just going out and just picking up people to put them on the Bengals bandwagon way before the bandwagon had anyone on it. Well, that sound you hear is uh, Dylan and I jumping off the Bengals bandwagon when it comes to our betting locks because I go over in week one with the Bengals. Now Dylan picks the Bengals, who were seven and a half point favorites in Dallas against the Cowboys. And not only do we miss our betting locks, uh, they lose both games, which yeah. uh, is more concerning at this point, without question. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys get the win here over the Bengals. Um, I, I don't really know what we can kind of say to this because I think we fully expected a bounce back here from the Bengals. And yet, you know, you watch how this game plays out and, you know, they're able to kind of get back in and have their chance. But Cowboys, 20-17, 50-yard field goal as time expired. And Cooper Rush, um, he's here to stay. So, uh, I don't – I mean, this is just uh, – I mean, look, we talked about the Bengals' schedule, right? And we kind of said a lot of that was going to be based on, you know, winning some of these early games. But now they're 0-2, and now you look at the schedule beyond, you're like, man, especially that second half of the schedule is pretty brutal. These are these are just two kind of head-scratching losses to start the season for the Bengals. Yeah, between the two quarterbacks you lose to um, and Cooper Rush and Mitch Trubisky, that is not yeah. something that's inspiring when you think about some of the teams that are down the, the line of the schedule. We already talked about how tough the Bengals' schedule is, and you get you, you think a break uh, with, with Dak being out in this game, and then Cooper Rush did his job. I wouldn't say he played fantastic football, but he played, uh, given, his, given what your expectations were, I think he lived up to them and, and more so just didn't lose the game for them uh, as the game went on the Bengals defense really locked things down I it kind of felt in some way different not as exciting as uh the Bengals Steelers week one game was but um and, and obviously the Bengals if they just make an extra point or a field goal we're not talking about them at 0 and 2 we're talking about them at 1 and 1 from the week before but uh it still felt similar in terms of the defense looking fine for large portions of the game but the offense just being dis- it's just disappointing because it, you know we go into this off season and the Bengals identify hey like we probably win the Super Bowl for offensive line just a bit better and they they add all these guys Leo Collins Kappa they bring in Karras and you think that things are going to be better and it's just they got beat up in this game and it was at times when Micah was lined up over Collins he got him to go false start at least once and just kind of they they look jitterish for large portions of this game. And I, I know the Cowboys have a solid defense. And, uh, you know, we looked at last year where they finished in DVOA this year off to a solid start um, through two games, even against Tampa Bay. You know, they, they played pretty dang well last week. Um, so I'm not taking away too much from how tough this opponent was for the Bengals offense. But we still saw Cincinnati put up better, uh, you know, performances against tougher defenses down the stretch last year. Uh, yeah, they did get a little bit lucky last year with some of the injuries that the Ravens had. Um, and those matchups, but man, it, it's it's definitely it's spooky season for the Bengals right now because yeah, they had just so many opportunities again. Like obviously last week with the missed field goals, but this week, I mean, they had the whole second half was just right there for the taking. They they settled for the couple field goals. Their defense is really dominating until that last that drive where they you know still wasn't that bad of, of defense before that field goal uh, at the end. But man, that he, just they're all, the defense really for Cincinnati has played up to the expectations I would have had for them going into the year. Uh, if you told me that, that Cincinnati was going to play like this quality of football on that side, I would think they'd be 2-0 for sure. And they're not, and it's just concerning. And, you know, for Dallas's sake, uh, for all the jokes and memes from last week, like uh, this is still a team that's uh, solid on defense. Like they have the, the people, the personnel. It's not, And Micah Parsons is at the center of that. But they have other guys on this defense that are uh, uh, make this a solid unit. So even without Dak... In this division, as we've talked about it, unless the Eagles really just go off, we'll see what happens. But by the time you listen to this, that might not be the case at all. Um, I, I still think Dallas is going to be fine. They just have to weather the storm. It also sounds like Dak's potentially going to be back within just a few weeks. So 
uh, good good things going on for them and for Cincinnati. Man, they gotta they really gotta figure out some stuff on offense because it by the time they made some of the adjustments and they started to stop going out of empty, there was the, the yeah you could see on the telecast in the third quarter or Joe just literally looking at the sideline saying no no more empty. It's like these are things that they've thrived on last year and we knew teams were gonna make adjustments to them this off season, but it is. It has been more stark and more striking than I had expected going into the year. All right, to our upset. Well, you talk about we're off to a, a rousing start here. Um, although you're going to get one right here in a yeah. second, which by the by, I don't know how you did, but you did. Um, <laughs> the Patriots at the Steelers was my upset pick of the week. Although we both picked the Steelers to win the game, mm-hmm. uh, and I said this was felt like the Browns Panthers week one to me. I was like, I have no idea why the Patriots are favored. Well. Again, that's rather the reason guys in Vegas or the guys in Vegas because they nailed this one. Patriots win at 17-14. I still don't know why the, the Patriots were the favorite, but I guess there was something there that's, um, that we could, could see somehow. And just maybe it's the Bill Belichick effect and expect them to bounce back and maybe they were just uh, kind of overvaluing the Steelers after that one game, seeing what the Bengals have been now through two. So um, I'll be honest, Dylan, this was not uh, this was not your red zone special by any means. No. Uh, if you watched the NFL red zone, this was not a game you saw a lot, uh, just based on these two teams uh, and how this one kind of unfolded. But um, Steelers sort of come back down to earth here. Uh, a couple turnovers that obviously didn't help, but overall, I don't I don't know. Like I still think the Steelers and the Patriots are kind of middle of the pack, yeah. just based on other teams and what we've seen thus far, but. Um, hey, it was a nice bounce back for the Patriots who absolutely needed that win, and they got it. Yeah, don't have a ton of takeaways from this one, as you mentioned. It was with uh, – there were some issues with Sunday ticket, but here uh, in L.A., this was the only solo game on in the morning, so I had this in red zone. And, man, I, I, I'll tell you, Ooh. my eyes were glued on red zone for most of the time because it was ugly for most of that first half. I mean, really the difference is one Nelson Aguilar mossing a DB play from this game going the other way. It wasn't like these teams were completely separated – by that uh, by that wide of a margin, I feel like for the Steelers at times, a little frustrating to see the usage in the passing game. I know it's Mitch Trubisky, but man, you have some you have some good big body receivers. You might want to use them like they are <laughs> those kind of guys, and uh, especially uh, against uh, some of the DBs with New England. I'm not sure if they they really utilized that uh, you know that uh, matchup to their advantage as they could have. They tried to run the ball a ton, as we know Najee Harris's usage rate is going to be really high throughout the year, but they were getting pounded for most of the game running the ball they could not do much against new england's front and new england expected that and they took advantage so i mean they're like you said i wouldn't say new england it's suddenly uh back in uh, you know thinking they're going to be a for sure playoff team i think the afc right now is a lot of a lot of mixed bags and a lot still early to figure out these kind of things and i thought at times mac looked okay but also not great um uh, i would say damian harris is probably the one big standout outside of uh, Aguilar and uh, Jacoby Myers had a pretty big week as well but um, overall at the offense I mean it's a tough Pittsburgh defense but it's still without um, TJ Watt in there I mean it makes a, a, a big difference I, I there's a lot of clips of Cole Strange single you know without uh, any help blocking Cam Hayward pretty well so I mean that's an encouraging takeaway from New England but overall um, just a game that could have gone either way that two teams that I just don't know offensive firepower wise if either has enough to compete with the big boys in the in the AFC this year but um, they can definitely stick around in the playoff race because their defenses are solid enough and uh, just uh, yeah not you know we talked about how this is the first time since the late 90s that either Big Ben or Tom Brady weren't starting in a Steelers Patriots game and uh, it felt like that <laughs> it didn't have the it didn't have the appeal and uh, kind of the same luster as some of those past matchups. Yeah, not quite uh, for this. But, all right, this next one uh, had a lot more excitement to it. Yes. Uh, and uh, Dylan gets uh, this one correct, as the Dolphins were three-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Ravens. And the Dolphins somehow find a way to win this game just um, easily. It's funny to think back, Dylan, because as I watched this game play out, I was thinking back several years ago when we had that Ravens-Dolphins game. Yep. Was that week one? Yep. And the Ravens just completely obliterated the Dolphins, and we were talking about the Dolphins, one of the worst teams in NFL history maybe. Um, and, yeah, uh, things have kind of changed now when you look up and two of passes for six touchdowns in this game. Uh, Lamar is a beast. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle both had huge days. Big plays across the board, but I think obviously the biggest takeaway here is I don't know what happened to the Ravens or this to just, I mean, what they're, you look at the way this game plays out and, you know, at halftime, you're probably sitting there thinking, all right, the Dolphins are just going to kind of be, you know, 
maybe what we thought they were this season in terms of they're just not there yet. But down 28-7, to 7, down 35-14 to 14 going into the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden, you know, Tyreek Hill happens. And just two Tyreek Hill plays, and it is just madness. And somehow, 42-38, the Dolphins wind up coming back to win this game. Um, I don't even know where you start here. Uh, I mean, it was just... This was easily, you know, one of the more exciting games if you, you got to see how this played out, especially one of the most exciting quarters probably we've seen in a while. Um, but, yeah. I mean, two of passing for six touchdowns. Count me in on the person that did not have that on my board <laughs> at any point this season. So It was it was a, n- a nutty game. I mean, the Ravens, if they don't get stuffed on that one fourth and goal early in the game, they had some other kind of weird things happen. I feel like this even they put the, pushed this lead even further ahead but to the Dolphins credit they kept battling and I mean the Ravens defense they, they have, they're way healthier than last year that's not the same excuses as last season right now um that they can point to uh I mean it was just crazy in that second half how I mean some of the times how open Tyreek was I you know stock up for sure on, on uh, Mike McDaniel here in terms of what this offense is able to do because early last you know last week they they had the fumble touchdown against the Patriots and the offense didn't really put up like a had a, a great performance by any means and even early in this game uh they had a solid first drive but after that it, it wasn't like they were lighting this, the scoreboard on fire and then suddenly yeah that second half it just everything switched the defense also turned up to another gear they, they you know it looked like early in the game Baltimore going back to that game last year where the Dolphins just completely shut down Baltimore they came kind of came out with some similar stuff with their scheme early on from Miami and Baltimore had all the answers uh Lamar looked fantastic I'd say um if I'm a Ravens fan I'm uh, you know it's a mixed kind of emotions here because you saw Lamar have one of his better passing first halves probably ever uh was throwing the ball insanely well had the, the long touchdown run I mean just really everything was working for them on that side but at the same on the same on the other end of the coin it's like this defense just got completely roasted in that second half and I know Miami has some really talented fast players that are tough to keep up with and Jalen Waddle, uh, you know, great as a fantasy owner in one of my leagues for him, having 19 targets, really thrilled about that. Tyreek, obviously, with 13 as well. And both guys with 11 catches and a couple touchdowns, almost 200 yards. So he's got fantastic players, but you can't you can't have both those guys going off like that against you. And it's just an interesting thing to look forward with the Ravens and kind of see as we go on throughout the years. Like, is this defense just not, you know, is it still lacking that kind of, uh, you know, what they used to be in Baltimore. Not that they expected Baltimore to have one of those dominant defenses from the Ray Lewis era and even a few years after. But, uh, man, it was it was tough in that second half to watch them because it felt like every single play, I mean, not and again, you got to give some credit to Mike McDaniel. The, the running play that they had uh, to Chase Edmonds, who as a fantasy owner of him as well, not, not the best uh, day, but they had a really good play call in that set, you know, with about – 50 seconds left in the game, down three, already in field goal range on second and one. They, they basically took the, the Ravens' pressure look and had a nice uh, running play that adjusted against it, and it almost broke all the way for a touchdown, got them inside the 10. I mean, little things here and there where, I mean, Mike McDaniel was just clicking with his with his play calling. Tua made some – he had a couple picks. Overall wasn't, like, perfect by any means, but um, still some plays where you saw him improv more than we have in previous years. He benefited from some crazy Mike Gusecki Mike catch in the back of the end zone for one of the touchdowns Jalen Waddle was making a lot of contested catches but overall I thought Tua played pretty well and maybe I don't know if this is a Super Bowl contender by any means um, but man they're exciting and I think they're definitely going to be in the playoff hunt uh, with their coach in this offense and uh, you hope that the defense can just tick it up a bit more Baltimore has a really tough attack to, to uh, you know face and um, but I think over the course of the year if Miami's defense can just get a you know a little more in that middle of the pack then yeah this is going to be a fun team maybe this will be our our Bengals from last year that we can we can watch and follow and enjoy uh the same way I'm hoping Cincinnati still bounces back but right now Miami fins are fins are very far up at the moment (laughs) all right we will go through our our quick picks here the rest of the way we'll do this uh two minute drill style and kind of run through some of these other games the Browns um Jets another one kind of wild there uh Browns feel like they should have had a win in this one but uh that did not happen because the Jets come storming back and uh, they get the onside kick. Garrett Wilson, big day. Uh, Joe Flacco going back in the in the day here, picking up a nice game. Four touchdown. How about that? A six touchdown game for two. A four touchdown game for Joe Flacco. Uh, there was something again that I don't think anyone had pegged coming into this one. But the Jets went a wild one in Cleveland. Yeah, that 
Cleveland Browns, I mean, this is a, just such a brutal loss in terms of not just even those last couple of touchdowns and the onside kick, but you had two guys that could have fallen down. And I, for Chubb, it's tough at the end. You're at the like one and a half yard line. How do you slide without being short of the first down to gain to end the game um, before his touchdown? But I mean, Kareem Hunt, the play before goes out of bounds with like two oh two left. If he he had a chance to slide in bounds, game over. It's over then. Not not even worried about it. That's what's just so frustrating. But then you still have to. You still can't let Corey Davis get you know twenty thirty yards behind the defense. Can't you got to recover the onside kick and then letting. Joe Flacco drive down to beat you. It's just those things can't happen. A, a, a wacky game, a really tough one for the Browns because they're they have this early part of the schedule that lined up so well for them. And they we talked about early, you know, previewing the season, they had to win four of these first six games, five of these first six games, whatever it was going to be, to kind of weather the storm until Deshaun gets back at the back half of the schedule, and it just didn't happen. So Jets, c- good for them. And uh, Garrett Wilson, I mean, he looked good last week. That it was at certain points a little tough trying to get things going overall as an offense for the Jets last week. But Garrett Wilson looks fantastic. I've, I've just uh, so far definitely on him. I, I'm really excited to watch him the rest of the way. Yep, uh, for sure. I think, uh, again, he will be someone fantasy-wise we'll probably talk about here in just a few. All right, the Lions get the win over the Commanders, 36-27. High-scoring game uh, here in this one, but the Lions offense looking pretty good right now as well. Yeah, Lions offensive line just dominant again. Jared Goff, uh, we, as we talked about, if things are working well around him, he can be pretty dang good for you. And uh, Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, another big week. His fantasy stock keeps flying up. And overall, just, yeah, I mean, the defense, it's kind of what we talked about before the year with the, with the Lions. They're, they have a solid enough offense. The defense is probably going to be not great. And, you know, early in the game, they got away with some things, got some key turnovers. The commander stormed back. Um, and that's kind of going to, I feel like that's kind of a theme we might see for the Lions all season. They're going to be a really fun red zone team to watch. I don't know how many games they'll win. But, yeah, the, the offense, the offensive line, looking pretty good for Detroit. Yep, uh, the Lions, another fantasy-pleasing team at the moment uh, as it comes to their offense, for sure. All right, uh, the Bucks finally get the win over the Saints, 20-10 here in this one. Uh, didn't look great for a while there, but Bucks were 17 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Mike Evans, uh, Lattimore ejected. Um, Evans going to be suspended a game, but, um, yeah, uh, Bucks just needed to get a win against the Saints, and they, they got it here. Yeah, the defense for Tampa Bay looked great again, uh, building off last week. The offense again sputtering for Tampa Bay at points. They they ended up finding it a little bit late. They still get that you know the pick six that helps boost that score up to, to twenty. They really only scored thirteen points as an offense. So, kind of uh, these games between the Bucks and Saints, it's hard to take away too much from them because the teams look completely different after these matchups. It's almost like they happen in a vacuum and it's and it's chaos and there's like fights and stuff like we like you talked about. But big for Tampa Bay to you know a game that easily could have gone uh, the same. Saints way at certain points the defense kept them in it and they did just enough to get the win yeah uh, that's uh, yeah looking pretty good there for the Bucks 2-0 uh, off to uh, yeah a nice start there for my Super Bowl pick uh, the Giants speaking of um, 2-0 starts the Giants 19-16 winners over the Panthers another game that was probably not the most thrilling on the board but um I didn't have a lot to take away from this one. I thought the Giants were in a pretty good position to beat the Panthers here. They take care of business. And, yeah, how about the Giants, who were right up there in the, the NFC East race at the moment? Yeah, it was a little interesting, some of their fans booing in the first half when the offense wasn't performing well. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you guys think that after this that yeah. one game in Tennessee you have the best uh, team in the league? But, no, I mean, they, they battled. It, not a ton of takeaways. Two teams that... I mean, at least for the Giants, I think it is too, uh, kind of a tale of two teams going in different directions. The Giants were really far down in the in the gutter, and now they're working their way back up. And where, where the Panthers have just it's just still kind of there. And Baker at times did not make some some of the best throws. And man, I, I really thought they had a chance here. I picked the Carolina to to get the win. I thought after almost beating Cleveland last week, they'd bounce back better, but. Giants, I will say the Giants, they still have a lot of pieces, and I, I'm afraid of what's going to happen when they face good teams. They still have a lot of pieces they need to fill in, but uh, they definitely believe in themselves, and I think they're as long, whenever they're playing teams that are in the, the bottom half of the league, they're going to have a shot, and uh, still, though, overall, kind of a, a wacky, kind of another game that was kind of hard to, to take away too much from, in my opinion. I not a it's just kind of these teams are where i thought they were we we kind of talked about the giants potentially starting hot and then over the course of the schedule it might be tougher but uh good for them to start 2-0 after a streak of like what five or six years something like that where they've gone 0-2 every season to start the year 
Well, speaking of fans that have every right to boo, the Indianapolis Colts, <laughs> um, if I'm a Colts fan, I'd be booing still at this point. Jags beat the Colts 24 to nothing uh, in Jacksonville, and we talked about the Colts' woes uh, in Jacksonville before, but this was bad. Like, they, and I know, again, the Colts are missing some key receivers, but still, yeah, still on this is, I mean, this is another just head-scratching performance from the Colts. Um who are winless now. My pick to win this division. They tie with the Texans. They get shut out against the Jags. Um, man, they they did not look. I don't want to take anything from the Jags, but not a great start here for the division pick. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not feeling great about it because they got dominated in all three phases. It wasn't even just on with the Colts' offense sputtering. I mean, on the other side, Trevor Lawrence had probably his best game of his NFL career, 25 for 30, I believe. Yeah, 25 for 30, a couple touchdowns, uh, QBR of 95. I mean, they weren't even running the ball well, and he still was able to perform well and made some great throws on the run. Just a lot of good decisions and not forcing things. I think as we've talked about again, Doug Peterson, probably the right coach to get uh, the career back on track for. For Trevor, but on the flip side, I mean, yeah, it, the, the story outside of, of Lawrence and his uh, potential ascendance is the Colts and how, man, we got to, it's just got to reevaluate their, they, them themselves have to reevaluate where they're at because, I mean, it's one thing to lose to the Jags, but to get shut out, to look this putrid on offense, I know without Michael Pittman, but oh, gosh, they couldn't. They had, like, one good run for Jonathan Taylor, so his average six yards looks better, but really on the course of the game, he was getting stuffed uh, every drive was stalling immediately they just had nothing going and Matt Ryan just did not man he did not look good uh it didn't look like the kind of oh he has not better offensive line let's see what he does I mean the Colts offensive line also as we've kind of talked about might not be quite in that top tier as, as it has been the last few years it might be still uh, one of the better you know still a good unit but maybe not right on the cusp with some of the top o lines in the league and as a result it is it is ugly um and uh, yeah it's a tough thing uh, for us picking them to win the division uh we can own it quickly right now but at the same time this whole division i still don't have a ton of belief in any of the teams but uh, the jaguars are at least kind of fun and we'll see if this defense can keep things going because if the jags defense can even be anywhere close to solid then yeah they they definitely have a chance to win this division i think yeah i think so too based on what we've seen thus far um all right, the Rams get the win over the Falcons. This one was way more interesting than expected, probably. Yeah. Uh, another fourth-quarter <laughs> rally from the Falcons here, uh, 17 points in the fourth quarter. But uh, Rams 31, uh, Falcons 27. Uh, Rams get uh, back in their, their winning ways here as they pick up a, a nice victory at home, although, again, it was probably much closer than the people expected. Yeah, kind of a confounding game in terms of the Rams did so many things well in offense in the first half. They, they did have one pick in the end zone quickly got an interception themselves to set up a, a touchdown before the right before the half but yeah they, they got Allen Robinson involved they had Ben Skoranek playing fullback and it it really helped open up some things he's a great blocker Cooper Cup had some great blocks on the Daryl Henderson touchdown for example so they did some good things the defense looked great in the first half it almost kind of looked like they just kind of let their foot off the gas pedal and the Falcons worked back in it made some big plays some some really bad turnovers by the Rams that helped the Falcons get back into it and yeah they could have easily won there at the end of Jalen Ramsey it's funny Jalen drops basically a pick six at the end of the half and then he makes that crazy leaping in, uh, interception in the end zone to, to essentially clinch the game but yeah just Rams got to finish better um, for the Falcons uh, good on them to not quit but uh, still not taking too much away from Atlanta. Still a team that you know when the when the Rams were really pressing and and playing uh, well, and Stafford wasn't making confusing throws uh, uh, for a couple of the picks. Uh, it still looked like Atlanta was outclassing this one for most of it. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with Kyle Pitts, but as a fantasy owner of his, I would like to really see how that uh, is figured yeah. out. And I think using Kyle Pitts is probably better than not using. Him. But what do I know? I am just hosting a, a podcast. Um, all right, the Seahawks and the Niners. Uh, of course, the biggest one coming out of this. 49ers win 27-7, but Trey Lance is out for the season. Um, yep. Very unfortunate because, again, I I mean, I think a lot of people are going to read into Trey Lance with that one game and sloppy weather in Chicago. Um, and it would have been obviously nice to be able to see kind of how he could have progressed this season. But out for the year, um, broken ankle, Jimmy G's back. And uh, the Niners cruise to a win here, twenty-seven to seven. Yeah, paid off keeping Jimmy G. Um, would have been interesting to see what the team would have done and what the storylines would have been if they had cut or traded yeah. Jimmy. If they'd cut, you know, traded him for a really low round pick or just cut him. 
Uh, now they can kind of run it back with the same thing last year. Let's go for all the yak yards and scheming things up and hoping the run, running game can be a bit better. I know the interior of the line, as I talked about last week, is still have concerns about. But, yeah, they took care of business. The defense, the 49ers defense is nasty. I think we knew that. And uh, the, I think as long as they uh, just stay the course on offense and don't turn the ball over, and overall this is still going to be a, a playoff team in the NFC, in my opinion. They a good bounce-back win for them but yeah with Trey it's just so unfortunate because we don't get to know what could have been uh, we're going to set the wait another year good he had surgery this morning and good news on that he didn't have a compound fracture like Dak's injury and overall it sounded like everything was going to be uh, able to heal up fine it's just going to take time obviously and that's that's brutal for them and brutal for him and his development because we still haven't really seen him play much football you know he played basically one season at North Dakota State he played like one game in 2020 with like their COVID uh season where they didn't even have really a season and then uh you know last year just a couple of spot starts so it's just a lot of unknown still for Trey and the, uh, the potential and all the excitement there yeah it's it's, it's just kind of feels it's, it's unfortunate for him um, but for the Niners, they st- that's why you have the insurance policy. Kyle Juszczyk talked about it, and, yeah, that, that's why you keep Jimmy G. Well, this next one, Broncos, Texans, 16-9. This was not pretty. Um, booing. The Boo Birds were out for the Broncos as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, Dylan, I don't usually – you know I don't like to throw coaches under the bus, but, oh, my. Um, Daniel Hackett's going to – and have a lot of questioning as he continues if they, if they continue on this trajectory um because i even as a Cortland sutton fantasy owner uh i would i don't know what they're doing sometimes offensively but um yeah this was the broncos won but in all honesty like there were times where it feels like the broncos lost this game because they just they did not look great here and i don't want to take anything away from the texans but um this was ooh, this was a rough one at times yeah i mean so far we we kind of talked about an afc west Chiefs and Chargers just seem kind of like they're on a on a, a little bit different yeah. level. There's just some miss, uh, just things that are missing a little bit for both Denver, and we'll get to the Raiders in a sec. But yeah, it was it was not pretty. The defense played fine, but I wouldn't say that Houston has an offensive attack that's going to really threaten most teams uh, in the league. So I'm not giving too much credit to Denver's defense for holding Houston to nine points there. Um, I mean, it helped to get the win, but yeah, a lot of things have to be figured out on offense. They and they ran the ball decently. Like, you look at the stats for Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon with averages of 5 yards, 4.7, over 25 carries between the two of them. Like, that should set up things a bit better in the past. And I know the injury to Judy hurts, and, uh, you know, Sutton did have a pretty solid performance across the board by the end of it. But, yeah, definitely some things to work out in Denver. Clock management, uh, a ton of issues there. Again, it was hilarious with the – the crowd counting down um, the play clock every single time in, in the second half uh, to make sure they all knew it. It sounded like a college basketball crowd that's trying to mess with the team that uh, with like doing a fake shot clock countdown, except it was accurate. But other, overall, at least they get the win. But um, a lot of adjustments going to be a t- you know I think they I'm, I'm pretty sure they play the Niners this week. Um, that's going to be a really tough matchup against that defense in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I think so, for sure, given what we've seen thus far. All right, the Cardinals and Raiders. This was another wild one. Yeah. You were talking about, uh, you know, AFC West setting yourselves apart. Uh, the Raiders are going in the wrong direction here because uh, they were up, was it 20 nothing at one point in this game? Yeah. 20 nothing at halftime, for sure. And then uh, Cardinals come back, win at 29-23 in overtime. And, oh, boy, yeah, if you're the, you're the Raiders, this is one you're also look, looking back on another – uh, first coach, although he's been a head coach before, uh, suffering a, a pretty brutal loss here uh, at home against the Cardinals. Yeah, it was an insane game, and it took a lot of hero kind of plays. The, the two-point conversion, the first one where Kyler ran around, I think the next-gen stats that he ran like 80 yards on the whole play before running it in. Just crazy things like that had to happen. Even they take the delay of game on the second two-point conversion that go from the 7.5, and, and they still get it. I mean, it took a lot of... Uh, stuff to keep the Cardinals in it. The Raiders still, I mean, just a brutal loss for them because we know how tough it is going to be in the AFC to get in the playoffs, especially in their division. And they had, yeah, they controlled this game. They did, I mean, the first half you're like, wow, okay, yeah, the Raiders are going to be just fine. The Chargers are a solid team. They Last week they could have won that one, didn't. It's fine, let's adjust. And they looked great. They just couldn't finish the offense. I mean, just a really disappointing second half against the Char- uh, uh, Cardinals defense that they really were handling at times the first half to only come away with three more points. And I know tougher Renfro with a couple fumbles there, especially the second one where he, I believe he got a concussion or at least was getting checked for one on the final hit. The first one a little less excusable with that fumble. The second one, I mean, he got popped and just a crazy play. But 
man, they, they just have to finish better. They had some other missed opportunities on that on that overtime drive with a, a pass thrown behind Devontae Adams, or it looked like he could have been open. They only needs a field goal to win that game. They're right there. And, man, just a, a really big missed opportunity, but good for the Cardinals to not quit. And Kyler, man, just some crazy plays. It looked it was having flashbacks to Justin Herbert in that Week 18 game in, in the same stadium in Vegas, just converting all these fourth downs and all these uh, big conversions. It was nuts to watch. Yeah, it was uh, just a crazy, crazy game. Um, all right, the Bears and the Packers, we wrap it up here. Um, Bear, excuse me, Packers 27, Bears 10. This one kind of played out as expected, I think. Um, you know, I didn't really give the Bears, even though coming off the win against the Niners, didn't really give them much of a chance here. It just felt like the Packers coming off the loss and how bad they looked in Minnesota. You felt like they were going to bounce back here, and they took care of business off to a, a big start in terms of just having a big first half and uh, really just didn't need a whole lot after that. Yeah, the, the ground game was working. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones were having, having their way um, throughout the game. The Bears... Had one decent drive to start the to game that took the lead, and then it was three and out, three and out. They were just going in reverse. They were stuck in their own end for most of the game. The Packers defense, as we've talked about, they looked pretty good at the end of last year. Uh, tough week. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough against Minnesota and Justin Jefferson the week ago, but they bounced back in a big way uh, without the, a few of the unforced turnovers from the Packers. Uh, we're looking at even more lopsided scores. So, yeah, just kind of went the way – uh, that we expected and probably won looking back. This should have been should have been a consideration for betting lock of the week. All right, Dylan, uh, stock up, stock down. We're going to do uh, three here as we look at uh, just kind of you know what we've seen on each side. I mean, I told you before we started. I think in terms of like stock up for me, uh, like this Detroit Lions offense. I know mm-hmm. it's it's crazy for us to be talking about the Lions, but I would put this in consideration for me just because I think that. You know, we knew they had some pieces in place before the season started. And, you know, but given what they've done in the first two weeks against, you know, Philadelphia and Washington, which I don't know, you know, elite defenses necessarily, but uh, still, I think there's a lot to like about this Lions offense. That would be one I would certainly uh, consider for this section uh, in terms of just the stock up. Yeah, we'll learn a bit about them, uh, more about them over the next few weeks. And they play defenses like New England, Dallas, not too far off. Uh, they get the Vikings next week. But I agree. I mean, the. This offensive line has looked fantastic. Um, they've set the tone and given Jared the time that he needs to to go through his reads. He's play. I mean, he's playing solid. And if he has time to throw, and and they're and they're making things work and with the scheme and Amon Ross St. Brown again has looked fantastic. Yeah, uh, stock very high on the lines for sure. Yeah, I think they are uh, definitely moving their way on up. Uh, other stocks rising. I mean, definitely, we have to consider the Jags here because as you said, I think given where, you know, I know it's a, it's one week, but I mean, the Jags as a, as an AFC title, or not AFC title, AFC South title yeah. contender, I think the stock has to be up there too, given what we've seen uh, from the rest of the division uh, thus far. Yeah. There are a few mistakes from being two and oh, they really could have beaten the yeah. commanders and I, I, we don't know how good the commanders really are, but Nonetheless, I mean, just a complete performance by this team. But I think, like, as you mentioned, the offense, uh, it's just some fun things happening. And just look like an NFL offense, which I, I would say at times last year they did not uh, have the appearance of a professional uh, unit there. So, yeah, there's, uh, given where they were going in the season, I thought there was optimism. But I'd say their stock has definitely has definitely gone up, and Trevor's in particular back. You know, maybe we're not saying, like, when he came into the league that he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck or some people saying since John L.A. I mean, and a great, ridiculous expectations put on this guy. Um, but I still think, yeah, after what happened last year, I think we can start to, to believe again after a year that was kind of tough to even really evaluate. All right, Dylan, I'm going to give you my other one here. I think this is one that's uh, – I'm going the opposite because I think before the season it said who are we going to regret drafting in fantasy <laughs> leagues. And I think we did it by division maybe. I don't remember how mm-hmm. we did it. We split it up somehow. But I said Tyreek Hill, and <laughs> X that. Cross that off right now because the stock for Tyreek Hill is all the way back up. Um, forget everything I said about him because uh, that just showed you what he can do. And, you know, you could probably tie to it of this as well and the entire Dolphins offense. Yeah. But I think specifically Tyreek Hill, uh, anyone who had any questions about if he would still be able to do the things in Miami that he could do in, in Kansas City. Um, I know it's one, you know, game in terms of having a game like that. But – this guy is still just 
ultra talented and can do anything he wants. Yeah, they're using him in, in ways that yeah, at times maybe we didn't always see in Kansas City, where just the route tree is, seems complete. Yeah, he does his patented two uh, deep touchdowns there in the late in the fourth quarter um, to help that comeback happen. But over the course of the game, he's making throw uh, making plays over the middle of the field and the intermediate routes still doing the screen stuff that he did a lot in Kansas City but I think Tyreek definitely his stock is up my between him and Jalen Waddle between those two guys I mean they're both of their stocks fantasy wise have to be so far up Jalen I had expect uh, you know solid expectations with his target share that he got at the end of last season but it is I'm not expecting 19 targets every week like the he got this week but I mean, he's going to be a big part of this team. And between the two of them, it's just so much speed. And, and Jalen, I mean, it's just a perfect guy in Tyreek to learn from with his effectiveness, with being the quick kind of twitch. And you see similar uh, attributes from Waddle at times, a bit bigger, but not not exactly a huge guy. But he's still able to move in, in, in quick spurts and, and change the direction with without losing speed the, the way that Tyreek is unique in that way. And I think that you see that a bit with Waddle. So, yeah, those two guys, Tua, I think, you like you mentioned, those are – the Dolphins' offense. I don't know what the you know defense did not look great. Lamar looked fantastic, but um, I, I think the stock yeah for the Dolphins' offense has to be high. And they've done a good job with an offensive line that you know don't have a ton of expectations for. So far, they've limited how that has impacted their their output, and we'll see how they, if they can keep it going. Anything else that stands out for you in terms of obvious stocks up? I mean, look, we could go a bunch of different directions here. I know we're trying to limit it to just a yeah. few, but. Um... Anything else that kind of stands out? Uh, yeah, Waddle was definitely in the, and the Dolphins were one that I was going to look at. Maybe I'm being too negative. I, I think stock downs are where I, I start having a, yeah. a better idea. Yeah, in I term, got quite a few of those. Yeah, yeah so I'll, I mean the Colts in general, I mean we already talked about it, but they're God, the whole it's it's across the board right now you know they, they cut their kicker they obviously could have won last week and even if they had beaten houston last week that was going to be an ugly victory where they should have deserved to lose really and they end up getting the tie but man i the offense for indianapolis i know Pittman wasn't in there but if it really takes one guy and i you know to go from being at least at least serviceable to that bad like yeah you're gonna have a drop off but it was it was it was striking to watch and i'm not overly looking at this defense as a dominant unit they have some solid players but it just hasn't come together all the way so i think for them their their stocks um definitely down i'll try to think of like one more stock up i mean looking across the board here we'll see what happens with with the bills tonight i think after week one if we had done it then their stock would have even though you know we had i had picked them to win the super bowl how much higher could their stock be but i think with how they the way they dominated the rams in that first game we'll see what they do tonight but um there maybe that's one that i could have thrown in there but the negative ones are came a little easier this week i think just some teams that didn't impress uh, given what my expectations were yeah i think that's about right i mean like you know again like the broncos play yep. calling mm-hmm. is probably one that you could definitely put on that list uh, with where they're at i mean we talked about just the raiders and you know i don't know i just feel like losing a game like that that's pretty disappointing for them um you know so maybe the partly our stock on the entire AFC West is down as a whole, but that's probably more due to the Broncos and the Raiders and kind of the yeah. the underwhelming starts they've gotten off to. Um, Bengals, I think, obviously has to be you know considered yep. one of them just because, I mean, look, we we did not expect the Bengals to be sitting here at 0-2, and knowing that they don't have the easiest schedule, especially in that back half, uh, not ideal. So that's certainly some of the stuff uh, that kind of stands out for me in terms of the, the stock down, so. Yeah, I think the Bengals were probably the next team that, with the the Colts that you have to point out. I mean, they they made the Super Bowl last year, and I know that some people didn't really still even believe in them after they made the Super Bowl. And there's a lot of talk of the disrespect towards the Bengals going into this year. But again, they they played a lot of banged up defenses. They played a lot of bad quarterbacks during that stretch. Yes, they beat Mahomes twice, and uh, still Joe Burrow even saw it in that last tying drive. Like he still has it in him to make some big throws and and come up in the clutch, but as a whole um man it, it just was sluggish I, I still think there's a chance for them to turn it around but yeah they're for the, for the time being um and uh, yeah little things here and there maybe they, they are two and oh or at least one and one but uh stock definitely a little bit lower for them um one other stock up player i guess i'd throw in would have been garrett wilson I, we talked about him a bit but he looks the part like he already looks i don't know what yeah. if his fantasy wise what his value is going to be still in the jets and i don't know week to week how much you can rely on that but i, I just overall as a player i mean he so far there's drake london looked pretty good for the for the falcons this week and some overall solid performances uh but so far i think he's the one rookie receiver that has just been like all right this guy is this guy's going to be a problem for a while yeah, I mean, I think on the opposite end of that, uh, 
the Falcons' usage of Kyle Pitts is uh, <laughs> down for me because yep. I don't know what they're doing. And uh, how about yeah. Arthur Smith's play calling is stocked down in my books just because I don't know I don't know what they're doing half the time with him. And I would say that they almost had a chance to beat the Rams, but um, I still don't understand some of the things they do with Kyle Pitts. So that to me is uh, definitely one that stands out there. All right, Dylan, uh, let's talk about some waiver wire pickups before we wrap up. Uh, on the fantasy market, and I think the one you said, Garrett Wilson, is probably one of the more obvious ones out there if he is available in your league. You know, we always say you don't know what to do with the rookie wide receivers. I think there's probably a couple of those. Um, Traylon Burks is another I've seen mentioned. Uh, again, you know, look, we're talking about this on Monday during the day. Maybe he goes off and has a big game against the Bills, and all this is irrelevant. But um, I think Garrett Wilson's an, an obvious one. I mean, I think. Look, if you're if you're looking at it from a quarterback standpoint, I mean, I don't think Jimmy G is going to put up the biggest numbers, but no. <laughs> um, you know, if you need him, he's there. But I think the better quarterback choice, and I told you this yep. before we start recording, I think Jared Goff is, and it goes back to the Lions' offense. Like I think that they have enough playmakers on their team to give them a potential to to put up some points. Now, like you said, they're going to get Minnesota in Week Three. Uh, they get Seattle after that. I got to go to New England, so they're not going to have some easy matchups. But I think with the playmakers on that offense. Those are some of the ones, to me, uh, that kind of stand out as, as some of the better pickups this week. Running back-wise, I think you could – I mean, this is not a this is not a great week for running back. It's a lot that necessarily I love, but, um, yeah, like I just don't – I don't see like a, a huge group here to pick from. Yeah, we kind of talked about that going into the year, that running back, it just – and I, as I went through into other drafts after the first one I did this season, I kind of adjusted my expectations for – how that was going to dry up yeah. and it, you're seeing that to an extent um quarterback wise yeah i think you you nailed it i mean technically trevor lawrence is under 49.8 percent so he's just under that 50 percent where kind of the cutoff on espn for waiver wire pickups i'd maybe include him in there but i think like you said goff has a chance to put up some pretty big numbers um in this offense and even if they give up a lot of points on defense they're going to be passing to get back into games I think overall, yeah, he's a potential for on a team. He's a classic guy that's going to ultimately get some garbage time yards, but um, a big time, uh, you know, if you had an injury like yourself with Trey Lance, I mean, he's definitely one of the guys I'd be looking at. Running back, as you mentioned, I'm trying to look down the list, and it is beyond the 50% roster, guys, it is it is pretty brutal. Um, yeah. You'd almost have to do something that's really tough to do, and it's almost impossible to do, which is like, pick players on teams where you think maybe you know this guy's a little injury uh prone and maybe this will be the number one guy yeah. um i mean cleo herbert's usage was decent last night in, in the game against the packers uh he didn't put up a high total but at least you look at guys that are getting on the field and getting opportunities but uh, it's a it's 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 rough out there it's not like last week where it was like jeff wilson was an easy pickup idea just because you knew the niners are gonna have to have someone fill in for elijah mitchell receiver wise a little bit uh, a little bit better, maybe. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I still think when Gallup's back, he's only in 44%. I think that he, I mean, we saw what Noah Brown just did in that game. He put up a huge fantasy total. I think Gallup has a chance to still be a big part of that offense when he's on the field. It's just a matter of when. So if you have room on your bench to stash him, uh, I think that's a decent uh, uh, opportunity. I think Devin Duvernay for sure is one that it, after his week one solid performance, it was like, is this a bit of an aberration? And no, I mean, he, he still put up a, another big performance. I'm really high just overall on what the Ravens passing offense can be and what it has started to become and how they have adjusted to what teams did to them last year. So Duvernay, uh, that's one guy that I'll be uh, trying to you – know, someone will probably get him in front of me in one of our leagues. But um, that's one one position that I'm looking at. And then tight end, that's always a tougher one. But I'd say that Gerald Everett is still worth mentioning because he, he, it's back-to-back games where he's out there a lot. They're, they're making him a, a, you know, a concerted effort to get them the ball. And, yeah, when Keenan Allen's back – his usage is going to probably be lower, but I still think if you're like if you have an injured tight end or you're just like not sure about uh, some of the guys that you got, if you don't have one of those top tier ones, and even as you mentioned with Kyle Pitts getting at least in one of our leagues a two point nine total, that's I think it's half PPR in this one, um, and still not putting up the best performances. If you're unsure and you you see a good matchup, I I do think that Gerald Everett. I wouldn't say it's just a one or two week thing. Um, not saying he's going to be like a dominant top four tight end but I, I think he has a chance to at least enter that uh, group of six to ten tight end range and by the end of it be t- t- uh, tight end like six seven uh just based on it early on in the year they look like they really like what the, he can do and uh are going to have him be a, uh, one of their options especially in the red zone yeah uh, there's not a lot to choose from like you said if there's a especially like tight end it's such a oh it's a it's yeah. a rough group 
fantasy-wise, but uh, yeah, for sure. Running back situation is not great in terms of, I think, looking at just, like you said, maybe just picking someone that could eventually move forward on the depth chart. Wide receiver, I still think there's a lot of good options out there, um, you know, which the, I think the depth of wide receiver has been really good anyways. And then, yeah. like we said, quarterback-wise, I mean, if you're someone who had Trey Lance like me and you're hunting, I did pick up – I picked up Justin Fields in one of my um, – in one of my leagues before the week started just out of you know i was, I was thinking okay let's say trey lance has another bad game which yeah. i don't certainly didn't expect him to get hurt but you know i think like fields jared goff even like a daniel jones i don't think is the worst option um, no but you know some some options like that guys that could that, that will run like that i mean i know goff's not on that list but he's putting up enough without it but mm-hmm. um that is always something that i think you can look at in terms of the waiver wire with especially with your quarterback so yeah i'd say the one not to overreact to is joe flacco i i'm not uh no, i'm not gonna that. <laughs> take that game and say all right he's back baby the man's is oh, joe flacco elite conversation coming back no but i think no, you no. you mentioned it with goff and i think daniel jones is a good point he Um, you know consistently puts up solid fantasy numbers even if his actual numbers don't look great um one maybe that's he's a little over 50 percent owned um so it doesn't really count as Carson Wentz I I don't know how he's gonna throw some picks he's gonna have some weird plays but there's a chance their offense is gonna still put up some points over the course of the year and they have a weaker schedule so one that if you're in one of those if you're in that 44 percent of leagues where he's not owned maybe he's a, a decent option but I think you still with um with Goff I think that's the one guy that I think Lawrence a lot of people are probably gonna try to jump on him if they're not if he's not owned in your league just based on this one game people might overreact and think all right here he's, he's coming he's coming but Goff is so deep down there that uh you should have an easier time hopefully if you want him there you go uh there are thoughts on uh, the week in the nfl of course we'll have our uh picks for week uh three coming up here uh, on our next episode but for now they'll want a lot of stuff over clutch points uh, let everybody know where they can find all that yeah, you can go to the Clutch Points app to follow all of the NFL games. You can also go in the NFL section there to read all of our content, uh, clutchpoints.com in the NFL section. Or if you search fantasy football, then we'll have our waiver wire pickups. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be published uh, to, to coincide with the podcast tomorrow. Um, tons of stuff, tons of takeaways, tons of quotes, reactions from all these teams. A lot of a lot of stuff from especially the Dolphins game, obviously, with the, with the Ravens, but the, the Niners situation, how you know, interesting uh, to the dynamic there with how the team is, you know, obviously sad about Lance, but still, you know, moving on and a lot of a lot of Jimmy G fans were already in that locker room, so it's going to be an interesting dynamic and a storyline to follow there, but yeah, all that anything, any NFL fallout, anything that happens this week, all the injury updates, you can find all those uh, on clutchpoints.com in the NFL section. Yep, check it all out there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast after you search for Establish the Past. And uh, thanks as always for listening to the podcast. And we'll talk to you next time on the Establish the Past podcast.